You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. And as you've been hearing in the last couple episodes, we're talking everything from AI art to interviewing and having conversations around NFT marketplaces coming and going. Uh, of course, we also kind of dove into some of the NFT artist spotlights that we teamed up uh, with uh, NFT uh, with our you know, good friends at Nifty Gateway to kind of curate and bring some of our, our community members' art uh, to to the forefront. And uh, just from a context perspective for those, I know a lot of our, our that are listening to the podcast every single day last season and those that are with us now, you know, a lot of you hold a lot of the different NFTs and we have some cool utility and gates coming up uh, for everybody that, you know, if you hold some of my AI art or if you hold some of our, our Mint 365 NFTs, don't worry, we got you. We have some cool things that are um, in the works. Uh, and talking about cool kind of not only cool concepts, but, uh, you know, kind of trends and the way this world works. You know, one of the beauties of this podcast is I get to, you know, interview and get to know people that have had all different walks of life, but also all different uh, approaches uh, to NFTs. And excited today, uh, we have Ben, uh, who is the uh, we have Ben Cohen, who, you know, Drew Cohen is the uh, producer here of the podcast. Uh, but uh, I don't believe there is a relation. But uh, Ben is with us, who is the CEO of Killer Bears. Uh, ben, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit to the audience that might not be familiar uh, with you, and then we'll kind of dive into some of your history. And then, of course, we'll talk a little killer bears as well. For sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, and yeah, Drew and I are not related to my knowledge, but you never know. You never know. And I like him a lot. We've been chatting these last couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, Ben Cohen, one of the co-founders of Killer Bears, CEO, and uh, I have been working in the internet industry, kind of all different parts of it for the past 12 years and uh, absolutely love Web3, love the bears and um, yeah, really just trying to be here in the space, uh, try my best to innovate and push things forward and and uh, bring some positivity. I like it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the positivity. Um, and we'll talk about like the Freemans and some of the things that Killer Bears kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, experience and we're part of. But before we get in that, you mentioned, you know, being in the, the, you know, kind of marketing online digital space for a long while. Uh, and as I was kind of researching and learning more about you, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people that we've interviewed, especially in the uh, on the podcast over the now, you know, three, this will be, you know, episode, I think 395. Uh, so 395 episodes in the NFT space is a whole lot of uh, people. And I think lots of people have different kind of walks of life, but also different approaches to understanding like community and audience. But I don't know if we've had anybody on our podcast that really uh, kind of doubled down on it the way that you did and were able to really maximize growth um, on some different channels uh, with really some creative approaches. So talk to us a little bit about like, you know, you decided, you know, kind of different approaches to, you know, the not only, you know, marketing side of the house, but then to dive in with some, you know, Instagram and then also meme and then specialized accounts. I'd love to hear just kind of like, how did that all kind of come to life? And then we'll tie it back to Web3 for sure. 
Sure, I'll try to give a crash course here. Um, I could go all day uh, and maybe one day we will. But so basically um, I, I went to college, graduated, was gonna go to law school and I dropped out on the second day. And this was 2009. So the economy was actually not that dissimilar from where we are now. It was obviously a little bit of a recession. And uh, I basically just took the only job I could get. Uh, and that was a marketing job at a sport marketing company. And I was there for some time and wanted to go to a really big corporation. And I got a job at NBC uh, and I got fired. And then I got a job at a consulting firm and I got fired. And I think at this point I was 23 and I started to realize that the corporate world probably wasn't going to work out. Um, and, and I was okay with, I really wasn't happy. Like, you know, it was emotionally, I think a little bit difficult for me at the time. And, you know, I was worried. I didn't know what, you know, what, what my career had in store for me, but I had a lot of energy and I felt like, you know, all the online stuff sounded fun and the New York startup scene sounded good. And I ended up getting a job at a, a mobile app studio and, uh, you know, they, put me in kind of a sales business development role. They saw that I could talk to people and I was a people's person. And, uh, you know, that all was kind of the beginning of, of, of a great journey. And, uh, you know, from there I went off and started my own app studio and worked with a lot of really big brands. And ultimately I sold that business when I was 26 and uh, I started making my own products after that. And I made an app called Wentagram. And I made the app, the app was very simple. I believe it still exists. Um, I sold it, but uh, basically the idea with the app is you go in and it scrubs your Instagram engagement numbers and it tells you if your audience is captive or not. And should you post now or not based on some historical data projecting forward, uh, you know, predictive analytics. And um, the challenge with that app was it was hard to find users the way I was marketing. So I, kind of tried everything, traditional PR, email. And what I landed on was Instagram meme pages. And I started buying shout outs from meme pages and we had a lot of downloads and I could clearly see that there was, there was traction, but there was really inexpensive uh, impressions to purchase. It was an arbitrage basically. So, you know, I did it for a few few weeks and got like hundreds of thousands of downloads. And at that point, I was thinking, you know, did I find uh, a place to go and buy ads for my apps? Or did I find potentially a media business that I didn't anticipate I would ever get into? And I kind of decided to do both, which was, which was tough. Um, looking back, it was insane, actually. But so I started buying Instagram properties from these people that were selling shout outs that they didn't quite understand the value of impressions you know so you're talking about a page that had 600 700,000 followers on Instagram with really strong engagement rates selling it for 10 15 20,000 dollars and then I would buy it rebrand it try to improve engagement and then market my apps and, and ultimately video games uh, which is really relevant to the killer bears because the team behind the killer bears is our you know video game company and um yeah, I mean, you know, I, I started to focus a little bit more on the the branding of those properties as the portfolio grew. You know, we had Basic Bitch, we had Eats, we had Vacay, we had Puzzles, we had all sorts of different pages. And um, we started to really get into the minds of our followers and our audience. And I think that that's actually been uh, something that has come up big here in Web3. You know, mm -hmm. we have a really strong community 
Um, but the key is how do you how do you work with the community and grow with the community? And it, it starts with listening. All the signals that they give you on the content that you're putting out, do they like it? Do they dislike it? Is there something that they'd like more of? And I think a lot of that uh, understanding and, and, and you know, social media prowess comes from those days. Uh, and of course, the video game side of things, um, you know, I, similar to now, I'm the business and community marketing lead on that business. And uh, Mikkel and, and Crypto Bean, my partners, you know, that one's an engineer, one's a creative director. And uh, ultimately, we all felt with the addition of Mimo Angeles, our artist who we're celebrating today with this open edition, uh, we really had a compelling team for Web3 here with the Caleb Bears. Nice. So, I mean, I love that context. And I think you know, we talk a lot. Um, I don't think we talk enough, right, about also the understanding, the difference between like building an audience and then understanding how to work with a community and then also understanding, you know, the, the importance of impressions. And I think a lot of NFT projects make massive mistakes on they spend a lot of time pre-mint on uh, on, you know, those outside, right, building the audience. Uh, and then they get it. They get the community side and they forget there's also still value and importance of keeping and growing an audience. And, you know, it sounds like that a lot, you know, a lot of that kind of ties into your uh, experience. And I love that kind of story of, you know, kind of understanding kind of, uh, you know, let's just say undervalued uh, assets, also undervalued uh, attention, which we, we know is even harder now um, than it ever pretty much has been uh, before. I I'm curious, you know, as that, you know, what was your first when you kind of bef even before Killer Bears, how, how did you first see this, the Web3 NFT crypto space? Was it something that intrigued you kind of like the like the Instagram meme account side intrigued you or like how did you kind of see it? I think everyone kind of approaches this space a little bit differently when they first yeah. got in. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't think highly. Um, I really got burned by crypto in 2014. So mm. um, like I was saying, after I exited my first app business, uh, I was 26 and I, you know, that was 2013, the end of it. It was October. I remember exactly when uh, I bought Bitcoin. And I really believed in it. Uh, I really liked it. Um, but it was early. And so, I, you know, I bought, I think what ended up being like 30 Bitcoin. Um, and I, I was really pumped. I was trying to get friends involved. No one really cared. Um, and there was the Mount Gox hack, which I think most people in Web3 don't even know about now. But, uh, yeah, it's true. Every time I bring it up, most people don't, aren't familiar with it. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember when I bought my first Bitcoin, I, it was like 600 bucks. And then that weekend it raced to 1200 and it was nuts. Um, and then Mt. Gox hack happened and we went down towards 200 and then it started to go up a little bit and settle. And I kind of kept buying, but ultimately around uh, sometime in 2014, it was a little sideways. And I was like, I could just buy stocks or do something else. Like, you know, so I sold all of it. And then obviously there, there's been, you know, two bulls since then. And I, you know, it really hurt, you know, it felt, felt stupid and, um, and, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, so then you fast forward to Top Shot. My little brother, he's five years younger than me, he was playing Top Shot and he was, he was having some success and he kept saying like, you know, you would like this, you'd like this, this is all, this is your thing. And I was like, I'm busy with work. Like, I, you know, don't bother me with this crypto stuff. It's, it's not gonna, you know, I already did it once. It was a waste of my time. It only gave me a heartache and, you know, he kept bothering me. And then one night he called me, he was like, listen, I really want to get this Giannis, this Greek freak moment, but it's a little expensive. Uh, I'm not comfortable buying it myself. Can you just split it with me? So I said like, whatever. 
I was supporting my brother. I wasn't interested in, in Top Shot. So I sent him on Venmo some cash and that thing mooned really fast. Within like two weeks, it went, it went like 30X. Um, mm. And then I was like, all right, let me pay some attention here. And, uh, you know, I loaded up on Flow and I bought, you know, a good amount of Top Shot, but I was late, you know, I was late to the party clearly because mm. it's worth a lot less than I put in now. And, and so once again, like my kind of similar to 2014, I didn't feel very good about crypto or NFTs. And then finally, uh, when my partners approached me saying, listen, you know, you would really love this, but let's do it on the operating side. We're not going to be investing, we're going to be building. And like, you know, this is, this is going to work out. Um, we've got the right people, um, you know, we've got experience and we've got a good vision on what we want to do. Let's like, just do it. You know, you're, you'll, you'll be great. I didn't have to be convinced that hard. I think their confidence showed me that, it, you know, this made sense. And, you know, nine and a half months later, I'm obviously very happy with the decision to do what we did. And, and uh, yeah, man, I love it. Love it. That's great. Yeah. It's funny if I had to go back and, you know, we, we interviewed well over a hundred people now on the podcast. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the entry points are, are top shot V friends or clubhouse, like really for the most part, those three uh, kind of cover. Uh, and I, I, I like you top shot was my uh, first in, and I was late into that game as well. And I definitely uh, upside down in my, uh, in my top shot, uh, you know, uh, commitment. But I love that you got to kind of set that stage, right? Because, you know, the Mount Gox piece of, uh, of Bitcoin also is context for a lot of people that, you know, see the hacks or the, you know, what FTX, uh, you know, what we went through, uh, you know, most recently. Uh, but I also think there's there's elements of like reinvention and, and, uh, and let's face it, probably NFT space is kind of uh, in that 2014 uh, Bitcoin space, you know, where that was back then, right? Because we still are, right. you know, very immature as a whole. Um, talk to me a little bit, like you said, about nine months, right? So you know, we did the podcast, you know, I got in this space, um, that kind of December of 20, uh, what, 2020. Um, and then we launched, uh, the podcast in November of 2021. Uh, and I bought an NFT every single day for a year. So for we bought 365 <laughs> NFTs, uh, and I did them all in the mint phase. So everything was pre-reveal mint phase, uh, researching four hours a day, buying an NFT every day. I still hold all of them in a time capsule, so we're we're selling it as one. Um, but I will say that you know, in that year, right when I launched it, this project in uh, November 11th, you know, it was it was the hype. It was it was insane. Like I mean, I, I joked like you know, I was narrowing down 30 ETH mints to five, and like all five of them seemed quote unquote good because I it was hard to measure what the hell was good and what was not good at the yeah. time. But, you know, then we kind of went through to the new year. Um, and then, of course, the, the start of the year and things started to recognize that, oh, wait, wait a second. You know, we're, you know, it's a lot of hype, a lot of giveaways, a lot of nonsense, um, uh, and, you know, and a lot of just people, you know, money grabbing where it was. But then, of course, we had some waves, right, where the, the bear market kind of started. But then we kind of had like the free mint uh, wave, which is one that is definitely interesting because you mentioned, uh, you know, the open edition that you guys are, are doing later on today uh, for those that are listening live here on Twitter Spaces. Um, but before we get into that trend, the, the free mint trend was definitely one uh, that took off. And I can jokingly say um, I have six wallets worth of free mint NFTs that no one should ever look at ever again. Uh, as I was, uh, I, I got in on Goblin Town early uh, and I and I, I actually uh, minted that I, I, only because I'd already knew um, a couple of the other people that were talking about it ended up getting in early there. Uh, and can I still hold uh, Goblin Town today? 
But then, of course, you know, that kind of popped off. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you know, like you said, your partners kind of approached you when you guys were looking at that market. I mean, that was an interesting time. And then to do a free mint, but also to have, you know, a gaming company behind it, you know, your marketing expertise behind it. Talk to us a little bit about like that go to market strategy and kind of what that was like back then, because definitely be some of our audience that weren't in the space, you know, when that was all going on. Yeah. So, um, so we minted April 13th and it was meant to be a charged mint. Um, now April 13th, if you like, if you just zoom out a little bit, ETH was coming down. Other side was dropping in like eight days. Uh, yep. it was, a. It, there was, you could feel the wind changing. Um, think there were, you know, there had been a lot of rugs and I think people were starting to get tired of that. Anyway, I got involved with, you know, obviously we, growing the discord and, and, and generating hype and excitement was, was a big priority of mine and getting the whitelist full was also, um, and we had a, a very full whitelist. It was definitely oversubscribed, but what happened was when the mint opened, we only sold 75 bears. And then that was, you know, that like after like, I don't know, that was pretty fast. But then after like 15 minutes, I was like, shit, like, this isn't going to happen. Um, so I, you know, I got on FaceTime with the guys and I was like, we've already delivered so much of the roadmap that no one knows about. I was like, we can't, I was like, we can't let like this, like a negative cycle of, of like FUD hit us here. So we don't really need the money for the full treasury to start. We've already done a lot and, and, you know, we have, we have a real business. Uh, so like, you know, let's, you know, with the video games, so I was like, let's just go for it. You know, like, let's go free and, and, and whatever, let's see what happens. And it was nuts um, because we were trying to let people that were on the whitelist mint free. So what was happening was people were coming into the discord in like the tens of thousands. It felt like probably actually thousands, but it felt like people were just pasting their wallets in general chat. And then we were like manually whitelisting them and they were getting it. And then Eventually, we just kind of said, like, this is way too much. Let's just let it rip and make it general public and scrap our whitelist plan. And, you know, we minted like this. And then the FOMO of people coming for, remember, we were before Goblin Town by about a month. So right. yep. free mints were not a thing. They were not a thing. Um, so, like, we got a, we, whatever, whatever, like, feeling that it gave FOMO, I want to say, but there's probably other feelings of something that's like shiny and new. It gave that people showed up in our discord late and they were like, shit, like, but I still want this. Um, and then we went trending on IC tools and OpenSea really fast. And that, I mean, we, you know, the rest is history. You know, we managed that momentum of the first day or two well, and we, we got close to the community that ultimately is still our community now. And uh, you know, it worked out, but, but um, it was a, it was a crazy, it was a circus that day. I mean, it was really, nothing went to plan, but we thought quickly and, and acted quickly and did what we felt was the best thing for the brand that we wanted to create. And, and yeah, I mean, no regrets. It worked out. Well, I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's a couple of things there that you have to tip your hat to your, you and the team, because really no one was adjusting at the time, right? For context, like now people adjust supply and demand. You know, we saw Porsche cut supply uh, of their project as if it was like normal, right? But we go back to April time, right? Not only was there no, free mints were not the norm, but cutting supply, right? You know, after um, after mints, not definitely not 
the norm that also like kind of like doubling down at that point, right? Like, Hey, we're going to, we are, we're going to continue to deliver. So like, that's, a, that's, I mean, I, that's impressive. I, I just went, I always like to look, you know, what did I buy on that day that was minting, um, you know, April 13th. Uh, and I actually bought a project by Ape Liquid called the Liquid Legends, which is a project that I still hold. I actually hold a bunch in that one. It's one of my, my current projects that I love. So at least I, I always like to like, man, what the hell did I, I miss uh, on that day? And I, and as you were saying that, I was like, when was the first one that we added um, to the collection that was free? And it actually wasn't until May. So it was May, uh, May 16th was the first free mint that I added into our, um, our collection. So like that, that's, I mean, very interesting on like you guys kind of not only kind of lead setting there, but kind of like doubling down and kind of betting it on, on yourself. Um, what did you think uh, from like, you know, like, as the Goblin Town kind of Freeman craze kind of took off, I mean, you were there beforehand, but in a way you kind of benefited from, from it not being like kind of a, a craze, right? Because you were able to kind of get holders. But what was your thoughts as like all of a sudden it became sexy and cool, yet you guys had already done it kind of prior to? You know, I'm friendly with Alex, um, yep. founder of Goblin Town. Um, and I tell him I, like what they did was absolutely mind blowing. It was nuts because what happened was, you know, like it was not that long after us and we were trying to like build, you know, we were trying to yep. get, get, you know, onboard holders, show our vision, trying to find our voice. Cause obviously we were new to web three. So trying to find the best way to disseminate information and, and news and stuff. And then all of a sudden you start hearing about goblin voices on spaces. And, and so basically like there was one day I was like, why, I was like, why is it slowing down? Like, you know, there was so much, so much, you know, so much volume in the last few days. What happened? Somebody, did you hear about this goblin thing? And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, they're making noises on spaces. And I was like, what? You know, so I went on a few spaces and I was just like, what is this? And I, I was in, I was like, I was like, who does this? You know, like I couldn't figure it out. And then I kind of like, I was like, oh my God, it's so clever. I was like, mystery sells, you know, like mystery, you know, so ultimately watching the rise of it was amazing. And it really, you know, we may have started the free mint meta, but what Goblin Town did was they made it so cool that every dev and their mom wanted to do it. And then you have this phase into the summer where there's free mints nonstop and they're, they're, they're happening. And then eventually they stop. Um, and so it really is a great thing because that came in hot and heavy, but then the trend kind of died because when, when the dust settles, um, you need to actually like deliver something real and, you know, and you need to give holders confidence. So I hold Goblin Town. I really like Alex. He's also a really big supporter of what we're doing here uh, with the Bears. And, and uh, I really admire what they did. They thought outside the box. I mean, and I only can imagine what other experiments he's kind of got in mind, you know, to start that way was nuts. And it really worked. It worked too well. I mean, it was it was almost a 10 ETH floor and no one even knew who was behind it. There was no roadmap. It was completely unheard of to do what they had done. And, and I admired it big time. Well, and I, and, I, and I can imagine that too as well, just because you had already understood kind of meme culture and understood that in your, you know, kind of previous life. And so I'm curious from that side, I, you know, I jokingly say I'm, I'm older, I'm, I'm 41, so I'm an elder millennial. And I, I kind of jokingly say, I kind of like the, the meme craze as far as like me being emerged into it was not really like, I kind of missed a lot of that early on. Uh, and I hate feeling like the old guy at 41. Um, but at the same time, like I, I am, you know, I'm an early adopter in 
platforms, you know, Google Plus, I, I one of the largest shows there, live streaming Meerkat, uh, Periscope. Like I, I like living on that early adoption phase. And part of the early adoption phase is both like the mystery unknown speculation, but also how can we tie things to like greater cultural pieces, right? We see nostalgia being a massive thing right across the board um, where, where people can kind of tap into that. I'm curious your take, like, as you were getting more into Web3, right, over these nine months, started to see what you were doing with Killer Bears. How many, like, how many things did you kind of attach back to some of those trends that you were kind of leveraging um, in the IG space and also the gaming and, you know, uh, you know uh, app space? Because let's face it, you know, the app space was uh, a new market, a new demographic. No one had figured out advertising or, um, you know, even lookalike audience management of that was all yeah. kind of new in that space. How, how have you kind of looked? Because I mean, a lot, I'm, I can, I mean, I'm bullish on Kelly Bears based on your background and the fact that you have a, you know, a company, a brand behind it, because I think so many of those things this space needs. And I think we're past the days of, of, of hype for hype's sake and a lot of vanity, but yeah, give me a little bit of your take on one of the, how you kind of connect some of these cultural memes and also cultural trends into what matters here in web three. So what I would say, and this sounds a little crazy is, you know, my career has been, it's all been in, in the internet, but if you, if you talk to like friends or family, you know, every couple of years, I'm kind of like jumping around, you know, one time it's yep. SaaS, then it's e-commerce, social, video games, you know, high tech, uh, mobile. And um, what I would say is every experience since I've, I've been 23, every single one has played a massive role in where we are now. Like there's not one experience from all those things that I've done that doesn't, like I, that I don't notice at some point in my day, every single day. Um, it just kind of like bricks building on top of each other. Now you've got a house, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like the meme culture, the understanding of software uh, and experiences, the understanding of how uh, audiences want to feel and how they want to interact to things like, you know, more basic marketing, like conversion rates, you know, funnels, um, all of that kind of stuff, you know, organic traffic versus inorganic traffic. Every, every single thing is, is really kind of uh, right here, uh, all, all right in front of me. So, all, I mean, all of it has, has, has it's been, it couldn't be a better, I, don't, I couldn't be more equipped for this, I think. Um, you know, that's what I would say. I think everything kind of happened in the right time and right place and yeah. I like that. I like that. You know, I, and I think that, you know, I think where, you know, like you said, right time, right place, also where the space is moving towards. Right. And so give us kind of a, I'm curious, you know, as killer bears, you know, not only were you kind of finding your voice make kind of like, uh, you know, setting here in web three, but you guys have had, you know, you know, from a reputation perspective, you know, everyone I know that has any, you know, uh, ties to the community or aware of what you guys are doing are, are big fans, right? You have, you've created really a, a really uh, strong momentum and movement. I'm curious your take on, you know, you, you have a, you know, a, a, not a 10K uh, collection, right? So it's a, a smaller collection in that sense. Um, what does that mean for, like, how have you kind of approached, like, some of the, the nuances, right? You moved to a Freemint, you, you know, 3,333 3, um, in the collection. Um, I know you're doing an open edition uh, drop now. Talk to me a little bit about, like, maybe some of that, like, how do you think that also kind of plays in? And how are you guys leveraging the fact that you have such a, a strong base um, that a lot of communities that have 10,000 pieces would kill to have that kind of strong base that you've created. I think we've, uh, I think, I think overall 
the thing I'm most proud of is I think we've done a very good job of managing momentum and the circumstances of this market, you know, specifically a shitty market. Um, you know, the small collection has been good because um, I think from, from a value perspective, our holders feel um, that it's not that difficult to get value appreciation. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of NFT collectors want to feel like they're going to make, you know, a profit. Uh, whether it's realized or unrealized, they like to see things are moving in the correct direction. So a smaller collection, it's easier to move. Um, you know, I think that that I've definitely noticed is, is the sentiment is strong there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have put a huge focus on entertaining, making this fun and really recognizing that no one's having fun in the market. And while I understand the general reasons why, if you do a good enough job at entertaining, people can have fun. And then mixing kind of our, our, our gaming background and applying game theory to the whole collection. Um, so if you were in the bears, you would realize that the act of collecting bears is actually a little bit of a casual game. That's not a game that you're slamming the keyboard on your phone, but um, there is a gamification element to it, which we're also going to add to this open edition today, which is going to be incredible. But um, we've put such a huge focus on delivering value back to holders and making sure that we don't think from a place of value extraction um, and more on value generation into the, their, their, their direction. So when you make holders happy, entertain, when you make their bag a little bit bigger, they, they make sure everybody knows that they're, they're happy. And the community has obviously been loud and proud in return. And yeah, we're small, we're dense, um, but uh, people know uh, people know about us because, you know, the community has, has made sure everyone knows. And part of the motivation with this open edition, obviously we want to celebrate Mimo's amazing work because without his illustrations, we don't have anything. Um, but the fact is, is economically our ecosystem is very expensive and it's not easy to enter for a huge amount of people. And the obstacles to enter into Web3 are big enough as is. So for the people that are already here and can't participate, we wanted to give them a place that they could feel was home to them in Web3. And this open edition being priced at 0.02 ETH with a you know, 24 hour unlimited supply, whatever, you know, the, the supply will be what they decide um, is a very inclusive way to think about it. And ultimately our community will grow a lot and the storytelling and all the video and stuff that we put out can be enjoyed by more people, which, which is really exciting and fun for us. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, I love that open edition, you know, um, component, right? We actually just did an episode of the podcast talking about like uh, what CPG is doing uh, with their open editions, where they were using it as kind of like a two week uh, window. If you own the open edition, you get a two week taste of what's going on um, in their telegram. I'm a CPG holder and I, I bought a couple and gifting them to a couple of friends that I can, you know, give them a taste. Um, but to your point, like, right, like, how do you, how do you make, how do you, you know, because let's, let's, the truth of the matter is, you know, exclusivity matters for community and growth. Like people like having some, being a part of something that's exclusive, but you also want to make it inclusive. Also, you want to, you know, the only way that supply and demand really takes off is that if people understand why some people either aren't selling or understand that value. Um, but I, I, I love that you're doing that with the, the open edition side, also celebrating your artists, which I think is, is super creative and we'll be tapping in there for sure. Uh, I'm curious, you, the one thing I just wanted to double back on before we wrap, 
Um, you mentioned like kind of the game side and the game theory, right? And I hear, you know, I own so many NFTs that have, you know, gaming um, components, right? But a lot of them haven't been in the digital space to understand true gamification or reward mechanisms or leaderboards or you know, like those kind of components. And then a lot of other ones don't even know what it means to create a game or even an app for that matter yet, you know, they put it on their roadmap for six months out, right? So what's your take on like that spot side? And then what are maybe for those that are listening that, that really want to understand the game theory element of, of, like you mentioned, not only fun and entertaining, but we all, I mean, I still, I still check in on Foursquare and Swarm and to be mayor of my, you know, local, uh, you know, tropical <laughs> smoothie, you know, even though it doesn't get me anything, right? Like, talk to me a little bit about that side before we, we wrap, because I think that's a, such an important component that you guys have experience in and you've integrated in your project. So building games that are decent is really difficult. Um, you know, we've got about 40 million downloads lifetime, three games made it to the top 10 on iTunes which is like a lifetime achievement. If I accomplished nothing else in my career, I would have, I would have been proud of that. Uh, really proud of it. Um, and, and, you know, we've got about, you know, call it like a, a graveyard of like 30 games that sucked. Now the games looked good. They maybe felt good to play, but they didn't work economically. The retention wasn't high enough on them. And, uh, and that's from like a, a bunch of people that like devoted years to making games and, and had success. What I say to people that basically, for whatever reason, felt it's compulsory to put uh, a game on your roadmap, it's so thoughtless. I mean, like you can't you can't just make a game. And buying a game template on like the Unity uh, apps, the Unity Store, is not game development and reskinning it a different color. Game development is so difficult. If somebody hasn't built games before. I would be very, very, very nervous. Uh, going anywhere near that founder personally. Um, now on the flip side, game developers going into NFT, I'm really bullish on because game development has, there's creative direction, there's illustration, there's animation, there's very hardcore engineering, marketing is, you've kind of, you kind of cover all these different bases that are important. Now with regard to gamification and, and a lot of the things that you're, you were asking about, what game developers have learned is building virtual ecosystems. So, you know, it, it's a very parallel path to our ecosystem in our, you know, from a tokenized ecosystem. Um, obviously, they, there's different sides of the marketplace, but in a game, you've got to think about, you know, all these different things, points, how do you reward the points, levels, how hard can a level be, how easy can it be, you know, is there a warm-up period, um, how, you know, monetization, how do you put ads in there? How often uh, are they skippable? Are they not skippable in-app purchase? You know, do you want people to be able to make the game kind of easy and buy their way through it? Or do you want it to have balance? Um, all these things are, you know, you have to be very analytical in the way that you set them up and very thoughtful because if you're out of whack, the thing will be ruined. Uh, and we found a similar dynamic with the our token ecosystem in the killer bears where things are a little bit different. The factors that move it are a little bit different, but balance is critical. Things having a reason to exist is critical. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's, yeah, I mean, Foursquare, I, I'm impressed that you still check in at locations. I am really impressed, Fanzo. That, that is something. 
I, I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a, a, something to brag about or more of. A, you know, I've traveled to seventy-six countries, right? So uh, I've been. I'm very traveled. So like part of my history of of where I've traveled, where I've been, a lot of it was checking in, right? And uh, yep. in a weird way, when I fly to a new city, it's it's literally my uh, like. Oh, it, I was here. You know, this many months ago, now this is my how many time. Uh, and people always give me a hard time. Like, how do you know how many times you've been places? I'm like, it's actually this app that had like a simple gamification mechanism that. Uh, you know, allowed us to be rewarded. You know, I, I still don't even know what those coins were that I was getting every time, right? But it, it did, uh, you know, have that component. But I would just say, like, the context you just provided in the last answer, in my opinion, have, have not, have, it needs to be heard across the board to every right. NFT project founder. And because, like, the, the, the mechanics that you just explained could be implemented in a project without having to have a game. And like understanding right. like the, you know the reward mechanisms and and like you said I mean even just the idea of retention and the the concept of you know not only what brings people back to your website or to your Discord but also like what makes people you know care and like feel like they're a part of something more than just simple ownership right where you know it's I'm, I'm a Jeep driver and I always laugh because like Jeep drivers like love their Jeeps and we have like our own little Jeep sign it's like a there is like a feeling there but it's like kind of a deep rooted versus like someone that just has a Civic and no 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 shot at someone that has Civics right but like there is like these elements that are often built within you know cultures right. and, and and communities that are, are powerful so um, you know, I, I love that you came over, you know, to jam with us. You know, definitely shout out to Drew, uh, my producer side. He was super stoked that uh, that you were willing to come out and, and chat with us here. Uh, give it. So we have open edition uh, dropping. I know for those that are listening on the podcast side, you're probably going to miss the the open edition side. But uh, talk to us a little bit about like, uh, hey, hey, we're going to do that. We're celebrating our artist. Um, what does that look like? But also give us a taste of like, what are your thoughts of this like moving forward? Because I think the open edition trend we're going to see, you know, continue in yeah. waves, of course, um, as, as, as to be expected. So love to hear your take on that. And, and then I'll let you go and, and go get ready for that open edition mint. For sure. For sure. So I think open edition is cool. Um, I was buying them from a, I was, I didn't really know much about it, you know, a month ago. So I was buying from a side wallet because I was a little nervous about what could happen. Um, but Manifold is great. We're actually not minting on Manifold. We're minting on our website. We wanted to have more control over the contract and what we do with these NFTs as we progress further. Um, but I think, um, you know, we're the first NFT collection to do it. Uh, it's obviously like everything else we do in, in Web3 and in, in our universe experimental. Um, but we really appreciated what the artists were doing with theirs on Manifold. And we thought, hmm, this could be something interesting. Um, let's Let's play with it. You know, so we spent a couple of weeks thinking through different scenarios and how this could play out and how we could expand our community and give kind of a gift to Web3 of being a part of the Killer Bears um, while still there isn't, you know, to be inclusive so everybody can, can do it, but exclusive is the current core ecosystem of the Killer Bears. So um, we're, we're, we're both inclusive and, and exclusive in that regard, but I think this is something we're going to see more of. Um, I do think there will be abuse of it after this. Um, you know, I think whenever a trend comes out it, in this kind of space, people go nuts. So people went nuts in the bull market with PFP projects when they probably shouldn't have because they had no intention or skills to go further. Um, and those became rugs, unfortunately. And um, free mints were probably abused. It probably went, it went, it went it, you know, it got too deep and, and too hot and heavy. And I think ultimately we will probably see the same here, but you know, our intentions here are really pure and uh, 
We are excited about it. And it's a technology that I do think is very interesting. So, you know, we've put our spin on it and um, we're really excited to welcome so many new people to our community. I think they're all gonna love all of what we do from, from a story and, and uh, video perspective. And also just from a gamification perspective, what are we gonna do with these open editions? You know, we haven't, we haven't said, all we've done is we, we, we dropped a couple of videos and, and there's gonna be some more video today, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern, we dropped the first and, you know, people need to buckle up. This is gonna be different. Um, this is gonna be totally killer bears. It's gonna be totally us. And uh, yeah, I just hope whoever comes after us with this has good intentions and, and respects the game. You know, like we, like I couldn't have more respect for this game of Web3 and NFTs. And I think that's part of the reason for our success is we really respect everything about it. And uh, I hope that other founders hear this message and hear what I'm saying, because if we treat Web3 well, we treat the early adopters and the collectors well, and you know, the culture well, it's going to be really good back to us and there's going to be a brighter future. So um, really excited about this. I, I absolutely can't wait. I wish it was happening right after this, this podcast, but uh, I'll have lunch. I'll have another coffee. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to some people and we'll let it rip at 420 Eastern time. Well, that's exciting. I'm excited to pick up some for sure. Uh, you know, I got my wallet locked and loaded and, you know, and, and I think entry point to a, a community, right? I think that's also a piece of this, uh, but you're right. I mean, marketers ruin everything always, but let's not yep. be web three leaders that, that, that ruin everything. Right. I think there's, it's easy to blame the outsiders and the, you know, those that are you know, the money hungry rug pullers, but there's also a difference between like, Hey, recognizing, you know, game recognizes game. Right. I love that you said like, Hey, I, we, we bought some on this side to understand mechanics, but then we made it ourselves, right? And I just want to stress that to everybody listening, right? Like this idea, you know, this isn't about copying everything. It's about learning and listening and seeing what works and then adapting. And the blockchain right. really gives us functionality and technology that is freaking amazing that we're probably using one one hundredth of right now, if, if, if that alone. But I think the key is, like you said, respecting the overall side and also recognizing like what can we learn from Freemints that could help projects that are going to drop in the next you know two months or you know, what we can learn from open editions that are for projects that are going to launch uh, in two months, but also projects that launched two years ago. If they're you know, being trying to be revived, what can we learn from some of these different um, mechanics and things? So Ben, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks for, especially on the day that your uh, open editions are coming in there. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, we'll make sure the podcast gets out there uh, you know, early next week for everybody to, to listen to and everyone give, you know, go check out Killer Bears. Love the website. Like you said, great video, great content. Uh, I was going in a deep dive and then found myself uh, not only entertained, but just amazed at the quality of content that you guys are putting out, which is, uh, you know, hat tip to your team. Because I don't think I don't think we give quality content enough of its due in this Web3 space. Uh, and if quality content is out there, for the most part, we've seen, uh, you know, good things kind of back it up. So thanks so much, Ben, for, uh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to come back sometime soon. For sure. All right, everybody. Until next time, make it a great day, everybody. Cheers. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always... 